In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the European Super League. We'll be previewing the matches against Spezia and Hellas. We'll be reviewing the Napoli game. We have Serie A commentator David Ferrini with us. This week's Moji, Moratti and Frog. And much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter. Only on SempreInter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nimato Aleiruzzari, wishing you to a week that is going to be very decisive for Inter's uh, chase in the Scudetto after the draw against Napoli. But before we get to all of that, I'd like to introduce my panelists, starting with the SempreInter.com preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. How are you doing, Mo? Hola, I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? How's everyone? Looking forward to getting into this podcast. Yeah, we do have quite a bit, quite a lot to go through. Um, and we're also joined by by our very good friend in Milan. He's part of the Inter supporters on Twitch. Uh, it's an Italian, uh, Italian. Uh, they do they do shows in Italian. Uh, I recommend you check it out if you speak Italian. Welcome back, Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Hi, Lima. Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here, especially in this day where the football changed. <laughs> yes, we, we, we will get into that. And we're also joined by our good friend, the chief news editor over on Semprinter.com, Mr. William Beckman. Hello. I didn't really, I, I mean, I knew the stakes were high for this Serie A title bid, but I didn't know they were quite this high. This, this is actually our last chance to win it. We might not be in it next year. So, <laughs> oh, come we, on. Uh, being facetious. <laughs> yes, it's been a very strange day. So let's, it's let's been a very strange 24 hours. It has been an absolutely weird 24 hours. Um, but before we get to all of that, let me intro- introduce our guest. He is a Serie A commentator for the World Feed, uh, well, making his studio into debut. Welcome, Mr. David Ferrini. Thanks. Hi, guys. It's good to be in uh, the company of uh, at least Tifosi that uh, supporting the winning team for a change. So <laughs> thanks and uh, glad to be making my debut. Well, we're very happy to have you. Um, uh, let's start there. Um, I, I want to, you know, I want to hear your thoughts and pick your brain a little bit about Inter um, so far this season because it's been quite the roller coaster. Not just the world as a whole has been a roller coaster for everyone and everything, but Inter have also in, the, in their microcosm had quite the roller coaster season. It started off really badly um, and then it just completely turned. Um, in your opinion, why do you what what do you think is the main reason behind this incredible turnaround that is led into to being nine points clear with only seven games left? Look, there's, it's a multivariate analysis. I think uh, we could be here all night if we really wanted to go into the depth of it. But um, Inter, in the second half of the season especially, has been incredible. Uh, they've lost two matches this season. Uh, and, uh, you know, one was against Milan and the other one was against Sampdoria, I believe. And, you know, nine-point advantage at this stage of the season Inter's been building this uh, turnaround. You know, if you look at the the players, uh, the the player roster they had in 2018-19 compared to what they've got now, you know, Antonio Conte, in my opinion, has uh, done a good job with um, the mental aspect of the game. He's been able to uh, bring through some young players. You know, people need to realise Lautaro Martinez is, uh, what, 23, 24 years old. A couple of years ago when he was 21, 22 he was still young. Uh, Icardi was around. There was a little bit of uh, a disorganized feel to what Inter were doing. 
But, uh, you know, Spalletti probably didn't have what uh, Conte has at his disposal. Uh, and in the second half of the season, it's it's really come through. And, and also, Milan lost confidence, uh, as has Juventus has been up against it. Uh, you know, it's it's so there's so many variables uh, that we could talk about, but definitely into the 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 strength uh, mentally, uh, what they've been able to do on the park. It's a translation of what they do in training and what Conte has brought to the club. Uh, I know there's a lot of Conte uh, sort of you know detractors out there, but uh, you know uh, this season they've been they've been great. So great to watch and professional, just like they were last night against Napoli. Yeah. Hi, David. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, we've been uh, talking about the Inter winning machine, uh, but the last three matches or so, um, Inter might have seemed a bit labored. Um, I, I, I think the performance against Napoli was fantastic overall. I would have uh, definitely, definitely taken the one point, uh, especially having gone down uh, ridiculously in the first half. But uh, do you think that there are signs that maybe the wheels are coming off in terms of fatigue uh, for them for for Inter is the end going to be as easy as the nine point gap would have one think at this point in time or do you think that uh, we might be in for a bit bit of suspense towards the last two or three games of the season I mean I know surely you don't have a crystal ball or anything but uh, just uh, your thoughts on 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 how, how in what sort of mo- mode the season might end in your opinion Look, Inter nine points ahead. Um, you know, I'll always say it's not over till the uh, the fat signora will sing. But uh, I think that uh, with nine points and the run home that they've got, especially the coming games against Spezia and Verona, Crotone, uh, also an out of form Roma. Uh, you know, probably the, the the toughest games they have uh, in, in the last two, and by then they'll probably have the title wrapped up. Uh, I think Conte's used something like 22 players this season, uh, if my memory serves me well, uh, which it hasn't been lately. So sorry if I got that wrong. But, uh, you know, it's it's a run that is very doable. When you look at Milan in second place, they've got five very tough games. They've got Sassuolo and Lazio next. They've got Benevento uh, that are scrapping for survival. Juventus away. Torino away. And then uh, Cagliari, who in the second last round, they're probably going to be throwing everything at Milan and Atalanta in the last game. I can't see Milan really causing too much bother for uh, Inter. And uh, as for Atalanta, they're too far away. But, you know, it's uh, it's never over till it's over. I've seen Inter have uh, those periods in the last couple of seasons where they have dropped three or four uh, games in a row. I can't see it happening. They're, they're too mentally strong now and they're full of confidence and going to the Maradona last night and taking on a Napoli side that were frothing, they were you know chomping at the bit to to win that game. Uh, you know it, it was it was an arm wrestle, uh, and uh, that performance last night sort of reflected what Inter are all about. They're going to grind out the results, and Conte uh, has a pretty decent list. The the play you know he only made three substitutions last night, and that's probably looking ahead to. The game midweek, you know, he's, he's may, might rotate the squad against Spezia. I called the Spezia game yesterday. They weren't anything to brag about. Bologna had their way with them. Uh, Spezia play a high line. I can see, you know, if Lukaku starts, 
uh, against Spezia. I can just see them running straight through them, just like uh, Svanberg and uh, Schalten and, and Musa Barrow did yesterday. I can't see a problem for Inter on the way home to the uh, middle of May at all. Thank you for that. Good to hear this perspective. <laughs> well, right. let's uh, bring the... Uh, what, what, I don't want to say what you want to hear, but... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think Inter fans are going to have a fairly relaxed April mm. and uh, it should be fairly happy in May come time to go out to the Piazza Duomo here in Milan. So I might be there myself. I'm not an Inter supporter. Uh, you know, I, I'm usually going for the underdogs, but... Uh, you know, Inter stopping Juventus this season, I'm all for it. Uh, I think it needs to be a little a little bit of change. Too much continuity is not a great thing. And uh, Inter, you know, denying Juventus double digits would be uh, probably good for the overall mentality and, and psyche of most fans out there. So, yeah. And also, sure. I think... Uh Interistia paid uh, well in advance in terms of uh, frayed nerves with uh, those Empoli and uh, Lazio uh, uh, season enders with Spalletti. Huh? I think we're 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 reduce some uh, coasting. So I didn't get that. Can you please? I'm repeat? saying Interistia have paid well in advance with those uh, season uh, those uh, nail biting season enders against Empoli and uh, Lazio with Spalletti to get back into the Champions League. So I think we're we're due some coasting uh, towards the finish line. You know, we we we're owed this by the fates, maybe. Sure. Well, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to uh, all the prayers of the past years have uh, all been summed into one. So uh, hopefully that'll it'll come to fruition this year for Inter supporters. But you know, their performance in the Champions League wasn't great this year. Uh, but uh, I think if they can, well, it depends on the future of the game, to be honest, which is probably another topic you guys want to get into with the Super League. But uh, yeah, I think uh, going, moving forward to champions, uh, they're looking good. And uh, the Inter fans, definitely, all their prayers have been answered this season. I'm going to pass you over to Will. Did you have a question for David? Yes. Uh, thanks for joining us, David. And thank you for giving us so much optimism there. Um, from from your mouth to God's ears, I would say. But um, going back to this game against uh, against Napoli that we saw on Sunday evening, um, I wanted to ask your opinion on on Sami Handanovic because that that was another um, talking point that kind of reared its head um, after that match. Uh, again, a slightly uh, shall we say unfortunate goal to concede uh, in the first half, and it kind of um, got me wondering again about this goalkeeping situation because. You know, he's been much, much more reliable in the second half of the season. You know, I think in the last two or three months, I can't really remember any any goals where he's been sort of uh, sort of majorly at fault. I suppose not least because we've hardly conceded any. But, you know, that, that in part has been thanks to his his improved performances. And, you know, it sounds like Inter are kind of leaning towards continuing with him for next season, even if a goalkeeper is brought in, whoever it may be, because they think that, you know, he's got a, another year or so in him at 36. So I was just wondering, you know, as if you were an Inter supporter, would you feel confident going into next season with Handanovic as the as the first choice keeper again? Because, you know, while you can say that he's improved and that he's kind of shown that he's not finished with these performances in the last couple of months, there's also the argument this is maybe a kind of, you know, last hurrah to get himself over the line and, and win a trophy and that starting again with him next season might be, a bit risky because personally I don't you know if you look at the performances recently you wouldn't have much to, to criticize him for but I still don't feel comfortable that this is a, a, a medium-term solution as it were 
um, because we've had lots of names that have been linked. Obviously, we don't know how much money Inter are going to have to to actually sign a new goalkeeper of any of any particular level. But um, yeah, would you would you feel comfortable keeping Handanovic in that in those uh, in those posts for another season? Look, I share your sentiments in regards to the future uh, regarding a goalkeeper for Inter at 36 years of age, Handanovic. Uh, obviously, you know. He's not exactly on the way out. Uh, he definitely at the start of the his winter of his career. But, uh, you know, I think he's been fantastic this season. He's as valuable as someone like uh, Lukaku. He, for every goal Lukaku can score, Handanovic is saving one at the other end. Most games I've seen of Inters this year, he's uh, Handanovic has been... Uh, a game changer, and uh, you know he can he can get his uh, his reactions have been great. Uh, the goal that they conceded last night against Napoli was, uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I saw something like that happen. I think it was something that happened uh, happens very rarely. Um, and to be honest, if I was an Inter supporter, I'd rather see Handanovic out there than uh, Padelli or uh, Uradu or Stankovic, uh, whoever else they've got. So. Uh, I really like Samir Handanovic, and I think he saved Inter a lot of times, uh, even this season, where some of the score lines were, you know, your one nils, uh, getting over the line, grinding out results. I would per- persevere with Handanovic and uh, make him become the Buffon of Inter, have him as your second keeper as well, uh, and of course look to the future at the same time. Uh, maybe even do what a Napoli situation is with uh, Ospina and Medet, where you have the you know the rotation. I think next year Andanovic will still be fine, especially you need that experience going to Europe uh, and challenging the big boys. He's been phenomenal for me this year, and uh, you know he's my favourite interplayer. So uh, I would definitely. You know, maybe that sounds a little bit biased that he's my favourite, but uh, and definitely I'd pursue with him. But uh, yeah, he's Handanovic has been great. Uh, definitely though, look to the future. Thirty-six years old. There's got to be another uh, option that's going to come through. There's lots of good goalkeepers now. Italy's got another uh, surplus of goalkeepers. Uh, going back five, six years ago, there was a little bit of a drought uh, with the quality, but I think there's some good ones coming through. You can even see, you know, good keepers. Uh, Monty Bar is a great keeper. Alderdo's fantastic. You know, they do concede goals because of their team lineup. They're just going to concede goals. But also, Italy has a uh, a league that uh, I think is uh, on par with the Bundesliga as uh, the league for most goals scored in matches. So these other keepers are going to concede goals. But Handanovic, I think he's conceded thirty odd goals uh, this this season. Not even. So I'd persevere. And much better performance than what Chesney had a couple of weeks ago when he had a couple of howlers uh, come his way against Torino. So persevere with Handanovic for now and then get a rotation uh, uh, sort of tactic happening, uh, which is what uh, Gattuso has been doing. For sure. Um, uh, Fulvio, uh, did you have a question for David? Uh, Yes. Can you hear me now? I can, Fulvio. Yes, yes. Okay, good, good. Hi, David. Hi, David. Hi. Um, okay, so um, I would like to ask you ask you this. Um, you mentioned the, the fact that uh, Inter so far lost two games into this uh, this uh, Serie A season, and uh, um, in the game against uh, Napoli, um, Inter first go first go down uh, and uh, keep the situation of being down for the first time since January. The last time happened. At Olimpico um, against Roma. Um, my, my question for you is: uh, 
Have you ever got the impression during this game that Inter could have actually lost this game? And I ask you this because uh, I would like a neutral opinion. Uh, because my impression is that uh, Inter would never have lost this game, even though the ridiculous own goal, even though they were down, even though they um, they they uh, hit the post. Uh, uh, so some kind of a very unlucky game. But I think the switch of this uh, this team this year is that uh, they always keep the awareness uh, to win the game or at least to not lose the game. So have you ever got the impression during the game? of Inter that would never ever in, in her be, have, have been lost this, uh, this match. From the kickoff, even though it was a slow kickoff, the first 15 minutes showed us how cautious football can be amongst heavyweights like Inter and Napoli. Uh, you know, Napoli showed more initiative, but uh, weren't really able to manufacture anything decisive in the final third in the first half. Um, you know, Darmian had an early chance. Instead, he tried to cut it back for a teammate. Inter could have gone up one nil in that first half quite easily. They were looking dangerous around the half-hour mark. Brozovic had an effort deflected onto the crossbar from uh, the boot of Lukaku. That was a huge moment. And if that goal went in, I would uh, probably expect Napoli to, to try and obviously chase the game. But Inter, uh, and just the structure they have on the park, they're so good at the moment that there was... Honestly, throughout the whole 90 minutes, even when they, when they were behind, I was waiting for the equaliser to happen. So, um, you know, the way that they kept Zielinski so quiet, that was a huge factor. And no other team this season has been able to do it. You know, in that first uh, reverse fixture earlier on in the season when Napoli travelled to Milan, you know, Napoli were the better team even with 10 men. Uh, the mentality that has changed uh, in this interside in the second half of the season, the belief they have, the game plan they have, they are deployed as troops and they go out there with purpose. They, they, they you know, the few times that Inter went forward, they looked purposeful and dangerous. Um, you know, Darmian kept Politano out of the game while also offering options in transition. These kind of things are what wins you a title, not just the game. And, uh, you know, there was some interesting coming together. Lautaro Martinez didn't back down from the, that uh, Diego Dem incident. Uh, you know, the intent and desperation was there for everyone to see. Uh, I like the way that Inter already knows their next move, whether it's a long ball or diagonal or whatever they're going to do. They, they, they just know their next move. And even with Napoli, they, they like to keep the ball, but uh, sometimes you just think, you know, it's, it's headless chalk football uh, with Napoli, especially against... Uh, teams that are organized, and there's not too many out there at the moment, to be honest, in Serie A. Inter is, is one of the only ones. Um, you know, the goal was unlucky on Inter's part. As I said before, Handanovic, I haven't seen a goal like that for a long time. It was unlucky. Uh, a lucky bounce that sat for Insigne, the burst of pace and cutback. Handanovic into De Vrij. You know, those are usually what separates Inter from the trailing pack of those errors that Inter haven't made this season. But, you know, fortune favours the brave. They went after Napoli to get a goal back. Uh, you know, the Eriksen free kick and the Martinez flick. Uh, Inter came out of their shell when Napoli scored that goal. And before that, they were kind of happy to sit and, and sort of wait and pounce at the right time. Uh, you know, it felt like it was only a matter of time for Inter to get that, that equaliser. Barella was kept quiet, but Inter then looked through other avenues. I thought Brozovic was tremendous last night. So 
you know, Hakimi wasn't really in form. His, his touches were heavy. Um, but Brozovic looked alert. He didn't fall for Dizilinski feign to shoot from outside the box, trying to switch it on to his right foot. Uh, the Barella chance as well. Good play from Lautaro. Phenomenal intervention from Mede to, to keep them down and uh, going to the halftime with the lead. So the, the Ericsson goal was spectacular. And the, and the way Conte said it after the match, the old Inter would have lost this, whereas this Inter kept their heads up and soldiered on. Very well put. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, before we let you, we have to talk about the elephant of the room. I just want to, I just want to, you know, just kind of leave the floor open to you to give your thoughts on this whole Super League thing. Um, wh- wh- like, what was, your, what was your reaction when you heard of it? And what's your thoughts, what are your thoughts going forward? Well, I think like most people, you know, it was sort of put upon us uh, in the last 24 hours, even uh, commentating yesterday, speaking to other commentators and, and other people that uh, work in, in, in football. It, it's something that um, is sort of a slap in the face for most people. Unless we know exactly what the beast is, we won't really know how to deal with it. I'm uh, one of those people that are for the free market. So if it went ahead, uh, I think the response would be um, a good indicator of, of if people are going to to bother with it or not. Uh, mm. You know, I've been seeing reactions today all day on Twitter uh, and <laughs> you know, uh, random blogs and, and opinion polls. And uh, I mean, it would be nice to go out in the streets while I'm here in Milan and, uh, and <laughs> talk to some people about that because two, two of the Milanese teams are, are involved um, and maybe get on the train to Torino. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm of the belief that if it goes ahead, People vote with their wallets, and and those that don't want this to go ahead should just, uh, you know, vote with their wallets. Uh, obviously, yeah. in the term, it's going to have a short-term impact rather, I think, more than a long-term. I think in the short term, it might take away from the game, uh, Serie A in general, if they are banned. And, of course, they're going to become uh, more powerful with the extra cash coming in. From you know, if they take it on the road to to Asia, to America, to Australia, to uh, South America, and play games, where, mm. you know, big big money uh, mm. for a ticket, then of course, you know, I, I don't know enough about it yet. I think mm. maybe it's a play from some of the clubs that want to have the revenue for themselves instead of having a middleman such as UEFA. I'm not sure how they're going to structure it. But it's going to be interesting, very, very interesting in the coming weeks. For sure, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, before we let you go, um, do you have you got something you want to plug? Something coming on? And if people want to follow you on Twitter, the floor is yours. Thanks, guys. It was great meeting you all. Uh, great talking about Inter. Good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, look, if people want to follow me on the internet, uh, I'm on Twitter. Also, um, I've got a website, davidferini.com. My Twitter handle is davidferini underscore. And uh, look, I'm sure you guys will, will have details on, uh, on your social media plugs. So anyone that wants to hear me commentate, I'm doing Bologna Spezia and the Sassuolo Sampdoria game this week. So uh, yeah, midweek and weekend action coming up, Serie A. And stay loyal to Serie A, guys. Don't worry if uh, <laughs> the break away, okay? We'll still be here in it together. Yes, so, uh, yes yeah. we will. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for coming on, David. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Good Take care. Buona serata. Buona serata a tutti. Ciao. Ciao.
Right, David Farini, thank you very much for coming on. Um, let's continue. I mean, we do have to talk about this because it has been dominating every single news cycle, not just in sports. But the, this is a little bit of the background story. On Sunday, the New York Times uh, published a story saying that 15 clubs uh, were going to leave uh, the European Club Association and, and formed their own Super League. And since then, we found the identity of those. Um, we've understood that Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich and PSG are not going to join this, but the rest of them are. And um, and, and among those are, are Milan, Juve, Inter, um, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. And... Um, uh, and the six, the big six in the UK, uh, in terms of branding and and revenue and 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 world world presence in terms of brand and followers, Tottenham, Chelsea, uh, Arsenal, Man United, Man City, and Liverpool. Um, so since then, everyone you've had to, uh, and if you haven't lived in, under a rock, you would have noticed the the complete meltdown that has ensued, and the, and and it's literally almost a nuclear warfare between between um, UEFA on the one hand and uh, these clubs on the other. I I want to I want to I want to leave, leave the floor open a little bit and hear what you guys think about this and where where where, where you all stand on this. Um, um, but uh, yes, I'm going to start with you, Fulvio, because because I've, I've seen you tweet a little bit about this, and I want to I want you to uh, you know I, I want to hear your thoughts on. I mean, is this the catastrophe that every that, that lot of lots of people are painting it out to be, or is this just we're just down? This is just the logical end of some of a path that was, was started some 20, 30 years ago with the creation of the Premier League and the Champions League, etc. Well, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I'll go for the second option you suggested. I, I mean, I think it was inevitable. I actually smell this uh, uh, right uh, when the pandemic starts. So we're talking about uh, basically 13 months ago. Uh, I mean, the rumor is, uh, is on since uh, a lot of time. Um, but, uh, you know, the pandemic actually accelerated all the process. And uh, you just needed to take a look at the... Uh, at the the financial statements of the of the involved club to to understand that uh, uh, that the football needs to be shaken up in order to in order to resume uh, the the levels the financial levels that uh, in which the club the, the club operates um, previously to, prior to the COVID. Um, I actually saw that coming, to be honest. Um, so. It was inevitable, but uh, I think the ironic part is that uh, actually uh, UEFA uh, has a responsibility on that, a huge responsibility. For me, the responsibility is to dev uh, is to have developed. I don't know if incidentally or not, but they actually have developed a business model which was completely based on the elite, and uh, you know it uh, when the financial fair play started. And uh, just look at the account, uh, sorry, at the statement of the of the clubs, at the income of the clubs where the financial fair play started uh, and uh, where they were after just four or five years. I mean, they created uh, uh, a huge, uh, a, a, wide, a, very, a very wide difference between some kind of clubs and some other, and the rest of the world, basically. So uh, I think that uh, UEFA created uh, the base for this situation. Uh, even though they they are not admitting it today, so I saw that coming. Um, so the the deal I think that the deal here is is very is very simple for me to understand. And the deal is that uh, the clubs now have the structure 
to organize different tournaments. I mean, we are not uh, into the football of 20 years ago, where the clubs were basically uh, a house building and, uh, and a team into the, into the field. We are not talking about that. We're talking about clubs that uh, are committed in first person into the merchandising of his own, of his own stuff. We're talking about uh, um, clubs that have their own television and they produce their, their own content. Uh, we're talking about uh, clubs uh, that uh, are able to uh, go into into uh, into a negotiation about, uh, for example, the TV rights. So I think that uh, uh, I think that uh, what is uh, what, what what went wrong here in the negotiation um, between these clubs and the and the UEFA was not about uh, the amount of the income, which just for the, just for the for the record is way lower than the super league but uh, about uh, the handling and the power and the power to to handle this uh, this income uh, so basically the clubs uh, realized at some point that that is my opinion my thesis uh, realized at some point that uh, they they could have go without uh, uh, the, uh, without an um, an intermediate uh, uh, subject like the wefa to negotiate their own tournament and uh, handle their own incomes, and I think that's that's the that's basically the deal. That's the reason, the the deep reason behind this uh, um, behind this uh, behind what is happening in this uh, in these hours. Um, I believe that uh, that there will there, there will be no comeback no comeback from this position. I strongly believe this, especially because uh, you have a partner like JP Morgan. Uh, and uh, you don't bother JP Morgan uh, just to just to make some interference on the negotiation with UEFA or to bluff. I don't think so. Um, and I strongly believe that uh, it's not about uh, the amount uh, that uh, UEFA could offer right now. I know that they're going to increase, uh, but it's about the control of the finances. The clubs want to control their own finances. And this, I think, is related to the consequences uh, of a financial fair play, which was made with the best intention, but at the end of the day, just create a lot of differences and a lot of classes between the in, into into and within the the European football. Fish, sure. uh, that's a, that's loads of great points. Um, Mo, where where are you on this? Yeah, I have absolutely. Uh, look, I don't know what the the, the ESL is going to look like. I'm I'm always a bit loth to uh, support anything that uh, is built around an American franchise model. I, uh, but at the same time, I have absolutely zero sympathy for these rotten organizations who are claiming to be so sanctimonious today in uh, the various domestic league uh, associations or the UEFA or the FIFA. These guys have made their bed. You know, it's it's uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, and honestly, when I look at the reforms for the Champions League that are meant to be coming into force in 2024 uh, and expanded, uh, expanded, like we don't want to see uh, interplay Ludogorets in the Champions League, let alone in the Europa League, you know. So, uh, so I, I do get the motivations behind it, and I also think that, you know, as a supporter of a team that really got shafted by FFP, I, I, I stand with Fulvio's point in the sense that these clubs are owed the you know, it's not an um, an out of this world desire to be able to think that they they need to be able to control their finances independently, and and you know uh, and, and you know so 
I don't know what the ESL will look like. If it will happen or not, I think maybe I'm a bit less, um, let's say, uh, uh, optimistic or, or uh, I, I don't, I think it, it could be rolled back. It could all just be a bargaining, uh, you know, maneuver and it could, it might, might well be rolled back. But what I really have to say, you know, and I, I, I really dislike Agnelli and I think, you know, elitism in football is counterintuitive, but this is all the, <laughs> of, you know, 20 or 20 or 30 years of corrupt, rotten decisions by the governing bodies, the various associations. And this is what you get. This is what you get. You can't have an unsustainable football model where these clubs are hundreds of millions of euros in debt, all of them, all these top clubs. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the various associations keep and make the money. They dole it out uh, in, in shady means. So I, I, I just, again, I, I'm, I'm all for the European Cup, the purity of football back in the day. I'm, 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 all, I'm all for, for that. But to think that to romanticize the Champions League as it is today mm. or to the UEFA or the, or the Premier League or the Serie A, Liga Calcio, whatever, are these uh, protectors and guardians of true footballing values is also. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I can't even I can't even laugh when, with that. Like, I, I can't even keep a straight face when when I read FIFA and the Premier League and UEFA Serie A putting out a statement talking about solidarity. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it, it, yeah, it, it is, you know, like I said, they've made their, you know, so, uh, so again, I don't know what's going to come out of the ESL, you know, if, if it, if it does eventually become the prime European competition, I'm going to watch it and support uh, and, and be happy. You know, we, we've all got very short memories and, and things, you know, things become what they become. But, uh, that aside, I think the, 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 the response by UEFA, that statement sent out today, that enough is enough, is so tone deaf. And so uh, it, it really feels like, you know, um, uh, I don't want to get too deep into politics, but mm. it, when you have a rotten uh, totalitarian regime and the people uh, rise up against the uh, yeah. regime, and then, you know, they make these uh, very fake uh, <laughs> moves to try and appease uh, the population, but they're completely <laughs> deaf and they get it. They don't, they, 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 I don't think... UEFA still get it. I think the core the core issue is Barcelona, Real Madrid, Inter Milan. You know, everyone bar maybe a couple of those uh, Premier League teams are extremely. You know, they're, they're under extreme financial duress because of the events of uh, uh, of the last year or so. And and any team that had been on a project that might have you know had a light at the end of its tunnel is now suffering greatly, like Inter, like Milan, like whatever, you know, the teams that are under, that are being governed uh, quite responsibly and with a, with a solid direction towards uh, financial uh, positivity and, 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 and financial liberation of, from debt. So to, to really ignore that, to really ignore this core, the core issue, it's no good. And I, I don't think anybody should be shocked. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. Will, uh, what about you? Where are you on this? Um, yeah, more or less in the same place. I mean, it was clearly inevitable. Um, you know, in in sort of real terms, it's not hugely different for in, in a footballing sense to what we've already had for the last ten years. You know, if you look at the teams that reached the 
the last eight of the Champions League or the last 16, they're always the teams that have got the highest turnover. They're always the same team. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the space for surprises to happen is getting smaller and smaller. All this is doing really is kind of crystallising it and, and giving those clubs uh, control of, of what they're doing for the first time, which you know, makes sense given that they're the, they're the prime actors. I think it is definitely about governance, as Fulvio said. You know, UEFA uh, have kind of become irrelevant or that they've these clubs have, have you know, realise that they can make UEFA irrelevant. And so there's no real reason to hang around with them anymore um, because fundamentally, you know, UEFA have made a lot of noise today. We've had some very amusing comments from Alexander Cheferin calling Andrea Agnelli a liar and saying... Uh, and Woodward a snake. Is, My favourite was the, the snake. snake was, the snake was a more general comment about how there are snakes around us. Um, <laughs> but Agnelli was directly said, accused of having lied repeatedly you know, they, they, they announced these champions. Andreanielli lying? William wow. Beckman, whatever do are you saying? My monocle just dropped. I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm just the messenger here. Um, but, they, you know, he was saying that they'd, they'd he'd been speaking to these owners just a few days ago about the Champions League reforms and Ed Woodward and all these all these owners had said, yeah, we really like these reforms. That's great. You know, go on and, and you know, announce them. And then they managed to drop this bomb on them um, before it came out. See, I, I do agree that there's a part of me that is enjoying watching uh, UEFA kind of take the, the moral high ground that they, that they abandoned, you know, several, several years ago. But decades you know, I, ago. Decades was, um, ago. Yeah. Um. Um, look, it's, it's not entirely palatable. I've, I'm not surprised here that, you know, it's getting a much more strong reaction in a negative sense here in England that it is in Italy and Spain. The, 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 there has been a discrepancy in the, I don't know about Spain, but obviously England and Italy have been both across. So I'm not surprised there's such a discrepancy between the way that um, this has been welcomed. Um, Gary Neville almost had a meltdown live on, on television. Very amusingly, on Sky Sport, the I Manchester might add. United match. Uh, yeah, yeah, on Sky Sport, yeah, I might so add. There's, there's, there's all sorts of layers of hypocrisy that are going on here. Um, look, I think I would say that I'm resigned to it. I think that's probably the best way to to say it. I, I don't love the American model in football. I, I, you know, I've never really been across American sports in general. Perhaps there's just some kind of cultural gap that I don't quite understand. I don't like the fact that there's no relegation. That to me seems, uh, as someone who's grown up with, as have, have that always haven't been, you know, a, a key part of, of football. I don't, I don't like that. But ultimately, I will watch it. You know, I, I don't. Um, I don't hate it enough to to walk away. So, you know, I, I can't be I can't be too hypocritical. And, you know, the, the the argument that they've put forward is also about saving the clubs, the rest of the clubs in the world about, you know, because this is this is, you know, this sort of necessary act to um, to, to change the model that football is running on. So obviously that's an impossible sell at the moment because uh, nobody likes the fact that the, the sort of the competitive nature of the sport is being is being ruined in a sense but the the model we've got at the moment is clearly not clearly not sustainable especially not with the pandemic that we've had so you know it was going to come um and you know i I also understand why inter felt obliged to to sign up to that you know obviously it's been it's divided opinion among among our fans but ultimately if the train is leaving the station you kind of have to jump on it so uh I will I will swallow it and I'll watch whoever we're playing in a midweek. Um, you know, it's not to, perfect, but but I'll get on with it. Thing is with, with me yeah. for me for me for me I got, I just got to add to that just one second before I hand over to you, Fulvio. Look for me the the situation is very simple. 
This is the logical conclusion of a journey that we've been on in football for about 40 years, 30 years, okay? And there were lots of people saying that this is exactly where we're going to end. And lots of people were laughed at and called alarmists. And they were this, that, and the other. Well, I guess they were right all along. Look, the time to protest the creation of Frankenstein's monster is not when the monster is moonwalking down the avenue. You do you do the protesting when the body parts are being collected and the, the, the contraption to bring life to the monster is being built. When everyone is telling you, no, don't be don't be paranoid. We're just doing research. This is for the good of everyone. OK, you bought that nonsense because it was it was convenient and psychologically felt good because, you know, it was, you know, your club could buy more, you know, got more money and could buy more players. And it was good for you. Look, and De Laurentiis wanted to do exactly this with the Serie A. Okay, the Lotito was whinging about Carpi a few years ago, getting promoted to the Serie A on this very same issue. This has been a long time coming. And Andrea Agnelli, I mean, you talk about telegraphing your punches. Last year, pretty much exactly a year ago, he sat on in, in a televised event uh, in London, organized by the Financial Times, uh, I think. Uh, or, or some other organization, an economic summit talking about how Atalanta didn't deserve to be in the Champions League because the only reason they made it to the Champions League group stage is because they were born, they, they're based in Italy and blah, blah, blah. And look, this is this is not something new. This has been coming a long time. And everyone who said this is coming was laughed at and he was said, you know, you, you're alarmist, you're this, that and the other. Well, you know, the chickens have come to roost. And, and I, I cannot care because I got to be honest with you. I don't care one way or the other. I honestly, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I could not care less if they go through with it. I could not care less if they don't go through with it, because I know that at the end of the day, we're all headed in this direction anyway. Franz Beckenbauer and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge have been speaking about, uh, and, and Uli Hoeneß have been speaking about a Super League for 30 years. So every sign has been there. Some people have chosen to, to, to not look at it. Others have chosen to see where we're going and say, maybe we should change direction altogether because this is where we're going. And, and everyone was, was, no, this, you know, drank the Kool-Aid and thought this was all great. The Champions League is literally based, this is just a natural continuation of that. So I, I, can't, I can't take this seriously. I really can't take this criticism seriously. And I got to be honest with you, as far as the Serie A is concerned, well, I think in the short run, because I think you have to look at things a little bit differently. I think in the short term, this won't have any impact on the Serie A whatsoever, because the Serie A cannot exist without Inter, Juve and Milan. It's as simple as that. And the clubs know this, just like La Liga and the Premier League can't exist without them. They won't be able to exclude them. They can try, but they will fail and they will, they will, they will be, this will go into the courts and they will lose. Um, as for the your as for the long term of this, yes, I do think this, the domestic leagues are under threat because this is you know this super league is going to swell. This isn't going to stop at 15 teams and then five are invited. It's going to swell because they're you know that's the nature of the beast. It wants to grow. It wants to become bigger. It wants to make more money. And 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 eventually this is going to hurt the domestic leagues for sure. But I think it's it becomes a little bit. The lack of self-awareness and the and, and and as Mo was talking about the sanctimony of you know UEFA talking about uh, <laughs> uh, talking about solidarity it just you know I, I and FIFA as well come on guys <laughs> how can you say that with a straight face 
because the amount of corruption and backroom deals that these people have been making to enrich themselves, not just when they were caught, I'm talking about for it's been going on for a century now. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Wolves will, you know, it's, it's, this is, this is, this is, you've made your bed now lie in it. That, that's, that's my attitude to this. Um, what will happen from now on? God knows. Who knows? I, I think this is. I think it's quite clear based on the fact that Fulvio alluded to that J.P. Morgan are involved, that they are d- involved for 23 years, that they have guaranteed money, that they've guaranteed a sum in the region of four billion euros to give to these clubs at an interest rate of two three percent over that period of time because they see huge potential earning here. All of that stuff. That's just. This wasn't something they thought of five minutes ago. This has been growing. This has been coming for a long time, and now it's here. And I don't think it's going away. And 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 we'll, we'll you know we'll just have to wait and see. Fulvio, what did you want to say? Yeah, uh, Nima, I would like to add something that's uh, probably worth in this uh, could be beneficial in this discussion because uh, we heard a lot of opinions uh, throughout the day since the. Uh, since the bomb exploded, let me say this. Um, but uh, what I did not hear uh, was uh, the opinion of the of the youngest people. Um, no, no, no young people have been inquired about that, right? Just adult people. And uh, I think uh, this uh, this is uh, valuable in this discussion because uh, we are talking about uh, a lot of uh, stories, uh, a lot of good stories uh, about the past, about. Uh, the spirit uh, about uh, the fairy tales, uh, but uh, if we put in the shoes of uh, of a younger of a young boy, I mean, 20 years old, all he experienced so far in European football is basically the same team along along and winning again and again and again. I mean, Real Madrid in Champions League, Juventus in Serie A, Barcelona in the Spanish Liga, and they this is this is all they know, and. Uh, I mean, it's likely that at some point they get bored about this stuff and start watching just the tricks. I mean, the Messi ones, uh, the Ronaldo ones, and it's probably what the football uh, means to them. Um, if, if you think about an investment like this, it could pay off in, decade, in, in a decade at least. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, the, youngest, the youngest people uh, in, on the planet are the, the target of this, uh, of this product. Of this uh, of this tournament, and this is what uh, what Agnelli thinks. Um, and Agnelli said also uh, a thing that is very valuable to say is that uh, uh, the Champions League TV rights um, currently are available for uh, 1.5 billion, uh, and uh, um, the the ratio is that uh, the, the passionate of football throughout the world are estimated in 1.6 billion. Well, the NFL rights, the National Football League, American National Football League, has uh, estimated uh, 150 million of uh, passionate around the world, but the TV rights worth $7 billion. So that, that is something that uh, needs to be evaluated. Uh, and that is something that is probably our uh, target also, the, uh, especially the, 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 the youngest people, because uh, we probably live in a bubble where uh, we experience the football so far. This, uh, this a lot of fairy tales, this uh, Atalanta stuff, this Leicester stuff, and back in the days, the Nottingham Forest, uh, the Aston Villa, and um, stories like that. But uh, I mean, the football of the future is uh, the football of the present, to be honest, not the, fu- the future, seems to be 
a, a lot different. I personally know people younger than me that are more interesting in the fantasy football instead of football. Or, or at least, let me say, they, they, they watch football just because they, they play fantasy football. Otherwise, they're not interested in that. And this is something that is, uh, is valuable. It, it's something that is beneficial to say in a, in a discussion like this. I mean, we cannot rely just the impression of the people that actually went throughout a lot of changes mm. in the football and they mm. approach the football with the spirit of the of the younger age yeah very good point very good point um i just quickly what what do we think like i mean i know it's a big big issue to to digest but what do we think is going to happen at the end of the day like do you think like inter because i mean i saw something about uh, <laughs> some Juve fans were hoping that lovely Inter, Juve, and Milan all get kicked out, so the scudettos, so Inter's gonna not gonna be are gonna be stripped of the scudetto. Well, the Italian FA, if I'm not mistaken, Fulvio, I saw today that they literally said that no, no, it's not gonna be retroactive. It's gonna be because when the when the Super League is founded, it'll be in the future, and they can't punish Inter for doing something that doesn't exist yet. So, um, uh, so so Inter are not gonna lose the scudetto this year. Uh, but, I mean, what, what do we think is going to happen in the immediate future? Do you think that all three clubs will be expelled, Fulvio, from the Serie A? Uh, well, if you ask me, I, I, I have one of my special later for you, Nima, about Serie A, but uh, I, I spare you for the, for the mochi part of the, of the show, <laughs> to be honest. I have one of my special for you and uh, for, oh, uh, for, for everyone. Yeah, Can't but, uh, but I, I just think that uh, we need to be realistic here. Juventus, Inter, and uh, Milan just make the 80% of the Serie A product. 80% of the Serie A product. Uh, I, I think that actually Serie A could not afford to lose one of these players. Just figure the situation in which they lose all of these three players. I mean, uh, last night I was joking about that because the first rumor went out and the situation went crazy. There was a complete meltdown. And somebody, somebody just uh, wrote me and say, hey, I'm worried about, uh, about our Scudetto. Do they kick out the three, the three, um, uh, these three clubs from the Serie A? What do you think about that? And I just, uh, just for a joke, but not so much of a joke, I just reply, if Serie A kicked, uh, kicked out these three, these three clubs and these three clubs uh, will not come back, I mean, the next Serie A could be just a horse racing uh, host by Lotito and will be the same. <laughs> they, don't have, they don't have the possibilities. They cannot afford the possibility. And this is actually uh, a responsibility of the Serie A. The Serie A just rely on these three clubs, especially in these three clubs, for years and years. And uh, I mean, uh, I, I, will, I will explain you later about that. But uh, they just don't invest a, a penny, a money, a, a cent, anything on their structure. And that's why they cannot afford to lose. I mean, the Serie A is the is is a is a is an organization is a is a governance that uh, it's so easy to blackmail in each way you want. And we saw that especially during the the, the beginning of the pandemic. How can you can you can you think that uh, they are in a position in which they can threaten the three most valuable um, assets that they had right now? I mean, it's completely unrealistic. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Right, let's move on to the the Napoli game. I just want to quickly talk about that because um, it was. Uh, it was. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was very calm throughout this game, um, and it just felt like this was going to end in a draw. Um, and and the Inter were in control, even though they didn't have a lot of possession of the ball. They didn't have a lot of. Um, and the, I mean, they didn't have a lot of possession, but every time they created, they felt more dangerous than than Napoli. It was again, it was a controlled performance. But you have to say, Napoli were good as well. 
Um, just quickly, um, do we, I mean, is it, is it, I mean, that that's it, right? I mean, we've said it's been over for quite some time. Now we've got Spezia and Hellas that we're going to talk about quickly as well. Um, but I mean, that that's it, right? I mean, th- at the end of this week, by the end of this week, Inter are going to, like this or at la- latest next weekend, then Inter are, are champions, right? I don't know when it's going to be won. I mean, I wouldn't rule out maybe it spilling over into to the Roma game or possibly even the Juventus game, although I hope not. Um, I agree that that was a really big point um, against Napoli because I think it kind of dispro- it kind of proved beyond all reasonable doubt that this team is really, really mentally strong now. I mean, the, David Farini mentioned it earlier in the show, the difference in sort of personality and confidence between this match and the reverse fixture was was night and day. And even though we won that game, we didn't win this one. I agree with what Paul we were saying earlier in the game that, you know, uh, earlier in the show that there was never really a point where it looked like we were going to lose or that the players were thinking that either. I think that was really important because, you know, the, as, as, as we said earlier, this is the first time that we've been behind in a game since January. And I think if there was going to be a chink in the armour that was going to be exposed in this run, and if there was going to be a moment where these players kind of woke up to, this, to the magnitude of what they were doing and start to get a little nervous, because let's remember, pretty much all of them haven't won a trophy before or in a major trophy bar, sort of two or three players. Um, it was going to be then, and the response was encouraging. So, yes, I think that there is virtually no coherent argument um, to suggest that this is going to go wrong now, not least because uh, we only need 12 points if Milan win all of their games left, and we've just heard Milan's fixtures. I can't see a scenario where they finish on 87 points. Um, mm. So, yeah, I... I, I I don't know if we're going to win all four, all four of these next games that are on the, you know, that are on paper are winnable. But long, sort of thinking more more generally, I, I would be stunned if this was to was to go wrong now because this team is just rock solid. You know, it's playing in Conte's image. He's 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 developed them into this machine that, you know, it seems capable of of um, facing anything that's thrown at it, like an unfortunate own goal, like hitting the post twice in the first half. So. No, in short, I, I agree with you, and that's um, that's that's great. So, I, I, like I said, the one the one sort of question I had left was, what happens if we lose at Napoli, and what happens if we go behind because we haven't had that for a while, and we pass both of those tests. So, yeah, I mean, mathematically, we could be champions the next time we're recording. I don't think that's going to yeah. happen, but no. you know, because if we win both our games and Milan lose both their games, we're champions on Sunday. But um, I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, Sampdoria yeah, probably is the one true. I'm looking at. No, that's your. I, I'd say I'd say Sampdoria as well because I think Inter will win against Spezia and Hellas. But yeah, just quickly to touch on the Napoli game, uh, Mo. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, just quickly. Yeah, so. it was, it was a really good game. I, I I thought it was a lot of fun. And like you, I think, uh, I think uh, the game was never never in doubt. I thought at least a point. I thought uh, maybe maybe push for three. But then when Gagliardini came on, I, it was clear that Conte was there to just to preserve the the single point and. Conte, I trust if he thinks that that one point is good enough, then uh, he's done his maths and uh, I'm sure he knows what he's doing much more than I do. So, uh, so yeah, no, I think uh, I think it, it, clearly objective achieved. I think uh, a lot of players seemed a bit out of sorts. Uh, Barella, Hakimi, even Eriksson uh, clearly weren't at the top of their game. And yet we were able to uh, walk away from the Maradona Stadium 
with with a point undefeated. So I think it says a lot. Uh, and like like Will said, you know, the team is playing in Conte's image now. Uh, uh, confidence is is really up. I, yeah, I, I think, like you guys, I think it's difficult to foresee a, a scenario where it all goes proper, proper pear shaped. Uh, but yeah, let's let's hope six six points uh, over the next two games, and hopefully we'll be. Uh, I mean, since it's Ramadan, it'll it'll be halal champagne that will be uh, cracking open. You know? <laughs> That sounds that sounds great, uh, <laughs> um, Fulvio. What, what about you? What, what do you think by Sampdoria? Sampdoria game will be done by then, or or do you think it will be next time we record uh, next Monday? Uh, uh, yes, I think that uh, it might be uh, between Crotone game and Sampdoria game. Sampdoria game, by the way, is a um, is a is a Wednesday game if I if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's I, I would prefer I would prefer to 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 achieve this uh, this goal uh, into a weekend to be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I hope the guys I hope the guys would uh, would achieve the same uh, would have the same talk and achieve this. But uh, all jokes apart, I mean uh, between the Crotone game and some other game, I think uh, I think this this could be done. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the, the uh, Sampdoria game is a Sunday. It's not a week midweek. I've just checked. It's the Roma. Oh game. really? Oh, really? yeah, so prob- yeah. probably, probably I mixed up the two. So Samdoria yeah. is fine for me. Samdoria yeah. is completely fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, let's. Um, I mean, let's let's talk about Spezia and Hellas. Uh, Hellas. I mean, basically, they've. It feels like their season is over, and, and it's been over for quite some time. They're in a bit of a dreadful form. But before that, it's Spezia, and Spezia are. I mean, if I'm looking at the table, they have 32 points. They've all but secured. You know. Serie A football next season, which I think, after what Antonio Conte's Inter has done, is the single most impressive feat by any football, uh, by, by by any Italian football team, and I think football coach in a very long time. What Vincenzo Italiano has done with his Spezia, playing a very modern, expansive football with a very young squad, and and getting that and, and getting them to do that at this at this level and delivering the results is incredibly, incredibly impressive. Forty-one goals scored, eight wins, eight draws, fifty-nine goals conceded. I mean. I'm I'm really impressed by by Spezia, um, and I I wonder what kind of Inter we'll see. Will be will be will we continue to see an Inter that we saw against Sassuolo or a, a light version of that, or what are we what are we expecting here, uh, Fulvio? What do you think? Uh, well, yes, it's uh, I think I, I think it will be a tough game, uh, especially because uh, uh, I mean Spezia is probably the the, the story of the season in Serie A. Uh, for the for the low table um, and because uh, they actually put this team together in just one month, completely new, and uh, they show really the ideas uh, and uh, the pragmatic ideas, uh, but also funny, uh, so, sorry, also entertaining to watch by by the, the coach uh, Vincenzo Italiano. I'm a big fan of uh, of this. Uh, I think it's a revelation. Uh, but on the other side, I don't know. I mean, uh, Spezia is not in a in a, um, in, the, in the best position, but not in the worst as well. Seven points from the relegation zone, and seven points uh, is not so it's not so comfortable to uh, to to climb up when you are in the in, in that position. Um, it's likely that uh, Spezia probably will not uh, uh, seek against Inter the points they need to, to secure the relegation. They have uh, they have a schedule, uh, the pic- a fixture against the Genoa, against Verona, against Sampdoria, all team that basically 
just uh, just finished their uh, their championship. Uh, probably Genoa is in the same situation, 32 points. But once again, I think that uh, Inter is prepared to beat every kind of uh, uh, of uh, of uh, opponents. Uh, especially, and, and I said it especially because I was impressed by by Napoli. I mean, probably Napoli was the best opponent that we. Uh, we faced into the um, into the second uh, in, in, into the second part of the season. I don't know if you agree with me, but for me, they may they 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 have a really good game. Um, I, I I mean, I think I think we can do that, uh, but uh, I think that uh, um, also we need to we need to also remember that uh, now the, uh, the the points are really important. Uh, the points have a specific weight uh, that is uh, that is a lot now because uh, every point now could still uh, could wrap up the Scudetto mission. Um, so I completely rely like Conte. Uh, I completely trust the team because it's rock solid, as Mo was saying. And uh, I think we can, uh, we can, uh, we can uh, finish this week uh, with uh, six points in the pocket. And uh, that will be the, the final points, probably. And after that, we just need to... Uh, we just need to to choose the day in which we are more comfortable to to seal the deal. I I see I see like that probably optimistic and positive, but uh, that's basically what Inter actually has shown to me in the in these last months, and I don't see any reason because uh, the the magic could uh, could be interrupted uh, at, uh, at at only a couple of steps from the from the goal. For sure. Uh, do you have a prediction for that game? Um, uh, for me, I think it's going to be a two-three-one win in the Lukaku brace. What about you? Uh, yeah, I will probably go with the same. It's probably the weak concede, uh, but it's likely that we, we we will score a lot. Uh, I will go with Lukaku as well. He's a specialist of this kind of uh, team, uh, like for goals uh, against Benevento, for for example, and Spezia um, scored at, uh, at the first uh, the first leg as well. Uh, so yes, I would go with Lukaku as well. Probably the brace from Lautaro. Nice one, uh, Will. What about you? I think we'll win. I don't think it'll be straightforward. I think this of the two games we've got this week, I think this one's probably the harder one. One because, uh, as you said, Spezia have still got a little bit more to play for than Hellas, and also because it comes not too not too long after this game at Napoli. So there is possible it's possible that there might be a bit of. Uh, a bit of a fatigue in the legs. Um, so, I, I, but I do think we'll win. I think it'll be 2 1. And uh, yeah, I hope that Lukaku and Lautaro will get one each. Um, and then I'll give a nice goal to Giulio Maggiore because he's an Inter fan and he helped Spezia, <laughs> which was decisive back in February. So, uh, yes, I remember yeah. that. The referee is the same game as for the Spezia. Yeah, Kifi. I hope isn't that's, it? Not a, that's not a, an omen, but yeah, I do. Yeah. I hate. I hate that guy. <laughs> Keep <Keep fish. laughs> yeah, it was it was the one that did an award that the penalty to Pantic yeah. uh, when we lose against Parma. Just, Parma, I was gonna yeah, say yeah. centuries ago. I mean, probably two years ago. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I'm not a big fan of Kifi as well because it feels that everyone else can be looking at one thing, but Kifi sees something else, and I don't like that feeling. It gives me those kind of Rosario Abiso vibes, which I don't like at all. Um, uh, what about you, Mo? What was your prediction on the Spezia game? Yeah, I'm I'm more inclined to uh, to side with Will on this one than you and Fulvio. I think it's going to be a tough game, uh, but I think it's three points. And actually, I hope Hakimi gets a goal here. I think uh, I think uh, the boy needs a bit uh, a bit of a shot in the arm, uh, the same way that Erickson did over uh, over the weekend uh, with Napoli. So I'd say uh, Lukaku and Hakimi for the two, 
and I don't know who's going to score for Spezia. Cool. Well, I'm going to continue with you, Mo, because we have Hellas as well. And Hellas with Di Marco, a player I absolutely love and who I absolutely think should be given a chance at Inter. There's been quite a bit of um, conflicting reports about him that Hellas Verona have an option to buy set at six and a half million euros, but Inter have a have a buyback clause set at 10 million euros. Um, you know, there's been and some say they haven't. So. All I know is that whatever happens, you know, given the great relationship that Hellas and Inter have uh, be or had before <laughs> the last 24 hours, but they, they, all jokes aside, they do have a good relationship because Eddie Salcedo's there as well. So, um, you know, this is a player that I hope Inter end up bringing back to the club because I think he's got a fantastic left foot and I think he's young and he also, you know, I, I like having homegrown players um, and I think that he could, he, I would like to see what Antonio Conte can do with him with a full preseason. They have a, you know, but but other than that, I think Juric has done an excellent job. I think I think after Vincenzo Italiano, he's been he's been my coach of the season uh, after Conte and, and, and Italiano. I think he's done an absolutely phenomenal job, two seasons in a row uh, with 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 not much to work on. Um, so, uh, but but so I think there might be. I, I'm I'm thinking, given that this is at the San Siro, I think it'll be a one nil win, uh, a tight one nil win, but still controlled. What about you, Mo? Yeah, actually, I think uh, this this game will be a bit more uh, loose. I think uh, I think Inter are due a, a dominant. You know, after the the potentially tough uh, win against Spezia, they're they're due a dominant performance against a, a, a weaker side, let's say. So I think this this is this will be the match where it's a nice two or three nil uh, controlled, like you say, but uh, but actually with a lot of goals, and then. We'll hopefully have Lula scoring uh, scoring the goals. So maybe a Lautaro brace and a, a Lukaku goal. Right. Uh, Will, what about you? Yeah, I think, as like I said, I, I fear this game less than the Spezia game. I think if we win that game at, at La Spezia, I will be uh, completely comfortable that the job is virtually done and that it's all just about sort of crossing the I's and, and dotting the T's to the extent that I think if, if Conte is going to make a couple of changes here or there, having three games in a week, I'd probably make them in that game rather than the one on Wednesday against Spezia, although he's not going to make anything particularly surprising in terms of his team selections anyway. Um, I think it will be maybe 3-1. I think if this has been you know earlier in the season, then Hellas would have been a tough team to face. But you know their season is pretty much done. Um, and I don't... I think if we beat Spezia then I don't see any potential for, for nerves against against Hellas. So I will say um, 3-1. There we go. Uh, Fulvio, Fulvione, what do you think? 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. <laughs> okay. I think, uh, I, think I, I probably won't be so comfortable like the results could, could suggest. Uh, it's probably, I can probably figure it like... Uh, one uh, one nil in the first half, uh, and after that, uh, a lot of uh, scoring uh, chances that we we won't convert uh, as usual. And uh, after that, uh, we still in the in the final part of the game. But I'm pretty sure we won't concede against Verona. Hmm, I hope you're right. Right, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with a negativity this week's Moji, which we presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci.
Okay, so as I was saying, this is one of my special, and uh, let me go back to the Super League topic, because uh, I would like to let you know what uh, the Serie A thinks about that. Um, we already mentioned uh, during the show that uh, there was a communicate uh, that was uh, shared uh, with the other federation, uh, but uh, there was actually other reaction that uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, good to, it's good to record here. Uh, because they are completely controversial, actually. So um, the first uh, reaction on the on the Serie A was that uh, uh, the, fir- the first official reaction that I that I heard about was from the uh, from the federation president uh, FA the, from the um, uh, football association president Gravina, and uh, Gravina said that uh, basically that uh, this is a dead end. The Super League is a dead end, and. Uh, uh, Solidarity contribution uh, needs to be done, and uh, the road is, uh, is uh, uh, the the the, road, the path in which we should go on is the one of the official Champions League organized um, by the UEFA. And uh, once again, point on the meritocracy and uh, something like that, preserve the game uh, and uh, blah blah, so on and so forth. So uh, this uh, comes from the from the president of uh, of a football, the Italian football. Uh, that uh, actually made a, a lot of interesting stuff during the last years. Um, especially, I would like to mention the the one uh, when the Gravina said uh, football. The slogan here, the uh, the tag, the tagline, the catchphrase is football uh, is uh, b- football belongs to the supporters. He said. So the the measure in which <laughs> foot, Italian football belongs to the supporter is this one. Uh, so uh, actually, in Italy, last, the next year you will need three TV um, accounts in order to see all the competition, right? And that's because they made a lot of mess into the, the into the TV rights, and uh, as a result, um, you need to pay uh, you need to pay uh, the, the bro- uh, three broadcaster to see three competition, um, to see two competition actually. Um, so the the, the, the amount actually is uh, gigantic uh, if you if you think that uh, if you compare to the to the number of the games uh, and n- nothing has ever made for the for the supporters in the inter- in, the, in the interest of the supporters so free broadcaster to different uh, uh, accounts to to be to be open uh, just for seeing two competition if you want to see everything and this is just for Italian football then you have the broad football and second is uh, the Super Cup. Super Cup is a very interesting story because uh, uh, actually, the, um, actually the Super Cup was uh, uh, was uh, transferred to the Saudi Arabia, which is a country that uh, actually right is, next to Italy. It's just right next to Italy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, have, you have a dist- you have a geographic you have a, you have a geographic distance and you have a culture distance. And I oh, don't yeah. need to remind everyone you knows that whenever you think of Italy, you automatically think Riyadh. Whenever Milan, Riyadh, exactly. Rome, but. <laughs> you know, you know what the fun. You know, you know that that's that's actually a very funny part because uh, uh, there was a deal to to uh, for the Saudi Arabia to host uh, uh, three Super Cups, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. The three, one was already uh, was already made, and the other one is actually the, the other two actually stop uh, for the COVID. But the funny part of the story is that uh, this uh, this uh, deal um, is uh, has an earning of uh, 22 million euro. Uh, but uh, the the funny the funny part of this is that uh, this deal actually pissed off the Qatarian uh, and pissed off the Qatarian because uh, was not into the into the agreement uh, that uh, Serie A made uh, uh, when they sell the, their broad TV rights to, to the Qatar 
And that, as a result, the Serie A lost to, to gain to 22 million from the Saudi Arabia, they lost a potential 300 million from the Qatar. So this is this is the the heart of the of of, uh, of the federation for for their supporters. They take the football abroad, and they actually uh, they actually trigger a chain reaction in which they lose a lot of money in a football that is already losing a lot of money. <laughs> so this is this is how the the, the football belongs to the supporters. Then uh, we had uh, a lot of reaction, uh, and uh, I, I could say and mention here. I just would like to remember, uh, I just would like to, to actually remind uh, what Serie A did in order to preserve uh, the, his uh, incredibly meritocratic football. And I would like to mention that uh, he actually uh, consent all the kind of financial, uh, uh, financial manipulating in all kinds of way that you can think about, especially with the, with the fake plus valenza. I don't know if you are uh, if you are uh, familiar with these terms, but uh, basically it's, uh, it's what happened when uh, a Juventus player or an Inter player as well, to be honest, uh, uh, from, the, from the Primavera, from the youngest, uh, is uh, suddenly is uh, valuable for like 20 or 30 million. Um, and this is uh, this, this, this happening actually without any kind of control. Uh, also, we can remember into the, into the last year how the, how the, the Milan deal went into the hands of a convicted Chinese without any kind of control, actually. Um, and uh, I would like also to Sorry, remind... Sorry, convicted, uh, convicted what? Sorry, you said convicted Chinese what? Uh, convicted yes, it's, what? I, I, it, was, it was an entrepreneur or at least an alleged entrepreneur that uh, at some point uh, it came out the news that he was convicted in China, but it was not clear because uh, they say, yeah, you know, in China they convict people for nothing, so it's nothing, but uh, everybody, everybody point to the fact that uh, he could have uh, he could uh, ha have had a bankruptcy in China. Uh, but uh, the, the way was that uh, AC Milan actually was on the edge of failure and uh, was excluded from the from the European competition as well, as you remember. Uh, and before that, there was any any kind of financial control mm. for any governance, any Italian yeah. governance on that, just because they need to keep Milan into the loop. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So and the, and the last the last thing that I want to say because I can I can I can go ahead all night but I don't want to do that of course but the last <laughs> thing I would say is about uh, the gentleman uh, Enrico Preziosi the Genoa president oh, my Genoa. favorite the guy who yeah, owns the so, toy store <laughs> so basically basically he said that uh, he said that uh, Marotta should uh, step out from the uh, from the Lega Serie A board uh, which is which, which uh, is a uh, is a good point I mean it's a fair point. Mm. I mean, I have nothing against that, but uh, it comes from a, from a guy that from the Italian football just to collect uh, a fraud for bankruptcy at Como. Uh, uh, what is called falso in bilancio in Italy, mm. I don't know actually, but it's, it's, like, it's like a financial statement fraud, something like that. Yeah, also fraud, yeah basically lying about your revenue and, and stuff like the financial statement, yeah. Yeah, yeah and on top... Yeah. Okay, thank you guys. And on top of this cake... Uh, um, a sports fraud when he was in Genoa. He basically bought one game just to be promoted from the Serie B to the Serie A. It was 2005. This guy is around. He was never, he was never actually convicted, probably fined, but never convicted. And uh, yeah. he's around. And now he's just step, uh, step uh, up and uh, just, uh, you know, like a hero and said, uh, hey, shame on you because uh, you are ruining uh, Italian football. And this comes from a guy that... Uh, just collect three different uh, three different felony into Italian football. So 
that is that is basically that is basically the situation. To not, but not to mention Cairo, that uh, that uh, just uh, said to Marotta that uh, he was a traitor because I have an interference on the on the TV rights bid uh, because of the because of the Super League that he was organizing. But uh, Cairo is also uh, the, the president of Torino, but it's also the basically the owner of the Gazzetta dello Sport, which is the, is the, the most famous uh, newspaper, yeah. sports newspaper in, in Italy. So the interference, uh, I mean, the, 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 the conflict is, uh, is, is, is clear. And uh, so these, these guys are actually talking about how we can save Italian football. <laughs> so uh, I, don't know, I don't know what else to add. I mean, uh, that's, that's an incredible... There's question. really nothing much more to add to than that. I mean, it's just, you, that, that's what I mean. See, I mean um, so did you see that story that the Gazzetta della Sport posted last week? It was an incredible scoop. It was uh, one of Urbano Cairo's WhatsApp conversations about uh, to Paolo Dalpino. Yeah, exactly. They must have got that scoop. I forgot about that. Actually, Gazzetta della Sport just published uh, a screenshot, I mean, a real screenshot of a WhatsApp conversation between Cairo and Dalpino. Uh, and uh, because Dalpino was actually not trusted uh, by a lot of, uh, of people like Marotta, like Agnelli and so on and so forth. And they actually published a screenshot uh, and saying like uh, uh, one of, one of uh, these guys is going to betray you, which is a Bible, uh, a Bible citation. So basically the hidden message is that Kyrie is the God and is going to, 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 to the direction in which he said Alpino that uh, one of you is going to betray you. So very biblical. So this is the guy that actually wants to save the Italian football. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's probably Frog, actually. Not Moji. Probably was Frog of the week. Not Moji, but still, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean it is pretty deplorable, isn't it? So it's yeah. it's incredibly de- 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 deplorable. Um, and we haven't even got Chilino in Serie A at the moment. Imagine what we could t- say with him if he was he was in the Lego at the moment. You know. Yeah. So nah, it's it's it is what it is. Right, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckman. Yeah, this is slightly more slapstick than uh, than the, the Moji, unfortunately. But uh, it's Tottenham Hotspur this week's frog. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, who've sacked Jose Mourinho, as we recalled this on Monday. I've just checked the, the BBC Sport website. And Mourinho being sacked by Tottenham is only the fourth biggest story on the site as you go down. So that kind of tells you what kind of day it's been. But that's not what this is about. Um, this is about dogs and paint. Uh, Spurs <laughs> on... Uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday, I can't remember now, they announced a deal with Dulux as their official paint supplier, which is uh, a kind of sponsor that you don't see very often in football. Um, And they marked it, obviously, by... I mean, they got me on side because they they marked this deal by basically getting a dog, which clearly had no idea what it was getting itself in for, and taking it it on a tour around the stadium and, and letting it do a photo shoot. Um, taking a picture of it on the touchline, at which point Spurs fans said, you know, can we have the dog as manager instead, et cetera, and so on. Um, and but but this kind of this announcement um, kind of was was slightly ruined by the fact that uh, Dulux's social media team were then forced to issue an apology uh, a couple of hours later because the, the, the guy who runs their Twitter account had spent the first sort of hour after the, the agreement was announced sort of uh, 
criticizing Spurs and making fun of them with memes on their Twitter account. So you had Spurs fans uh, tweeting them saying, you know, um, Austin, can you paint the trophy cabinet? And Dulax UK's Twitter account replied saying, don't be silly, surfaces should be dusted free before painted, before being painted. Uh, someone said, um, there was a joke about their defence as well. Uh, someone was asked if the dog could play centre-back and Dulux replied, well, he could probably do a better job than Eric Dyer. So, you know, this this kind of stuff was was a little bit strange. And then they had to issue an apology which said, uh, these do not reflect, these comments do not reflect how proud we are to be the official paint supplier of the club. Uh, we're deeply sorry for the post from Dulux this morning in response to the announcement of our relationship with Spurs. Now, there is a theory that this might be a marketing ploy and that this has all been set up. So obviously that, uh, Spurs did a sort of uh, a reply to it and then a load of paint-related gags ensued. But they did delete the tweets. So I kind of feel like if, that, if, if, if it had been that, then they wouldn't have bothered going to those, going to those lengths. So anyway, um, Tottenham being embarrassed by a paint company is, is the frog of the... Although actually, as we were saying, actually that, that, that Gazetta della Sport story where they basically published their own their own editor's WhatsApp chat and sort of pretended it was a scoop. That was also quite amusing. So um, take your pick. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> let's 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 move on to something much more positive. This week's Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Positivity himself, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, quality. Honestly, we didn't synchronize together, uh, but uh, my uh, Moratti of the Week is uh, Tottenham-related as well. It's uh, our own uh, hero, Tripletta. Jose. 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 I honestly, I mm. cry inside every time this man gets disrespected uh, in the world of football. I think there has been no better manager. Uh, maybe Conte today, uh, yeah. you know, will will sort of reach the, the the levels that uh, Mourinho has I hope but uh, no 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 better manager in the last I would say 20 years I take him over Guardiola any day um, and to hear the leaks that it was uh, in uh, objection to Tottenham joining the ESL also I mean again like we said this is a very long labyrinthian uh, case we don't know where we stand on on it but the fact that he was actually uh, ready to put his reputation uh on the line for for his own moral uh position is is very emblematic of the sort of person that he is his uh twitter uh, his uh, instagram account has been just story after story of all the top players uh, harry kane son uh lucas mora all uh thanking him and, and and wishing him the best so clearly it's not him losing the dressing room as as it had been alleged and you know uh I think uh, Mourinho had once said, you know, his his best achievement was finishing uh, second with uh, Manchester United, and time really has has shown that this man knows what he's talking about. And for whatever reason, he's a masochist. He continues wanting to play in the in the Premier League, where the media, for again for whatever reason, seem to really have it in for him. So uh, I just wanted to take this moment to thank our uh, forever hero uh, Jose Mourinho on a very tough day for him. For sure. And Jose, you know, 
stop, give up, give up the Premier League, come back to Italy after Conte. I'd do anything to have him at Inter. I don't care what anyone says, but I, 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 you know, I, I, I everything Mo said times a thousand. <laughs> like I just love the man. I have nothing but respect for him, and I hope that his career can can fu- can can function and and recover from this um, again. I just don't think the Premier yeah, League well, is the right league for him. No, although we should say that the Super League story was a wind-up tweet. There's nothing into that, as far as I'm aware. That was yeah, a, no, no, that wasn't that was true. That wasn't true. Yeah, that was entirely fake news. And it's by the funny thing is, it would be nice if people actually looked at who they're retweeting. Um, yeah. <laughs> look at look at the profile. Trevor <laughs> yes, I mean, look at the profile of that guy. It's yeah. so blatantly a parody account. Like you have to be stupid if you take that seriously. He, he also he also published a scoop a few hours earlier saying that Newcastle were going to be the seventh Premier League team to join the Super League. It just, <laughs> yes, it just takes a, just a quick, quick scroll to work out that he's probably sacked because of the results. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't change the, the greatness of the man and what he did it into, obviously. So. For sure. Right, that's all we had time for. This was a long episode. Um, and that's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank... Uh, David Ferini for joining us. I'd like to thank you, Fulvio. It was a long time. Good to have you back. You really pick your episode. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Always good episode for me, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always, always some, a pleasure. Contro- it's always a controversial subject or something crazy. So, so next time we have Fulvio on, I don't know, we'll, we'll probably expect something really mad um, before. <laughs> just in case. I'll let everyone always know. Fulvio's coming on Monday, so expect some craziness <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> always a pleasure. Mr. William Beckman. Thank you. Does that mean if we if we book Fulvia for next week, we're guaranteed to have won the league by the next time yeah, we record? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Try that. Yeah, yeah, let's try that. Yeah, um, and Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Lots of fun. Great long episode. Thank you, Fulvio, for the in-depth uh, stuff about the city. Yeah, always a uh, great uh, listen. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's my special. That's my special. It is. It is, and that and you know I love that. You know I absolutely <laughs> love that. I live for that stuff. <laughs> Grande Fulvione. Thank you so much to everyone for, for listening. Uh, until next week, I'm your host, Nimatavale Ruzzari, wishing you to stay healthy, six points, and sempre e solo forza. Inter.